Drew Brown from Toronto, Canada, and you're listening to Frequency. Welcome back, everyone, to another Frequency.fm podcast. We're glad you're with us, and I get the unique opportunity these days to actually spend time with Joe talking. It feels like we only talk once a month, even though we text pretty much all day, <laughs> every day. Yeah, all day, every day. It, yeah, it's funny. It seems like we never actually talk. You're like, well, When's the last time we actually sat down and had a conversation even again we've never met it's funny you know we've been on for 45 minutes now just pushing record because we're catching up yeah uh, and it just takes a while but it's it's fantastic to come back and and actually uh, get another podcast ready for you all and we're glad you're listening despite not in spite of we're glad you're listening not just to this but to all the other stuff that we've got going on and man there's a lot of stuff going on right now yeah and honestly joe as I was looking, you know, retrospectively back over even our week, um, the amount of, of different things going on in frequency is is kind of baffling. You know, we've got basically five major streams of content that are part of what we do now. And it's a collaborative effort with many different people, which which was our purpose. Yes. So I, 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 I guess I can feel proud in the fact that this isn't about us. Um, because honestly, it'd probably be very boring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would be. A bunch of, you know, 40-plusers talking about um, creatives. Hoodies. <clears throat> yeah, and I'm glad it's not a video podcast because I'm still in my PJ pants and my sweatshirt and hat, so... Um, uh, which actually uh, is an exact match of what I'm wearing. You know, <laughs> I've got the, the hoodie, the PJ shirt and pants, the hat, the headphones. Folks, we ain't pretty... Uh, we just no. look that way. <laughs> we don't. You look pretty. I, uh, isn't, the more, isn't there a the song see, about that? She ain't, ain't oh, pretty. Oh, she ain't pretty. She just looks that way. <laughs> oh, is that it? Oh, I was thinking he ain't heavy. He's my brother, but he ain't pretty. You know, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out the artist. I, we need people to help us. Send us a note and let us know that song. She ain't pretty. She just looks that way. Yeah. I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't even know what that song is. I am so um, completely out of it when it comes to. Um, secular music and and uh, so many other things, folks. It's it's actually a job that doesn't pay well at all um, to try to stay on top of all the different things that are going on in terms of books and music and movies, mm -hmm. uh, visual arts. That at some point you um, get so inundated with that that you lose track of everything else that's going on anyplace else. And um, I'm I the other day and here just to illustrate it, we were driving around as a family in the car. And my wife said, um, have you heard this song, Rude? And uh, I don't know if you're, you know, you're familiar with it. the song. Rude. I've heard it. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, uh, no, I don't. It's by a band called Magic. And so she uh, cued it up and I went, this is a good song. And it made me stop and go, why is this a good song? It's not because it's a secular song specifically. It's, you know, there's just a number of elements. Yeah. Anyway, we played the rest of the album. I listened to a few more songs and some of the songs were so good that I, I almost cried. Uh, it made me, it made me mourn. This is a generalization, but the, the lack of innovation and quality in Christian music, I just went, Oh, I forgot how good music can be. And it goes to my whole concern about being really insular with Christian art, 
losing track of some of the innovative stuff that's happening outside of Christian art, we we cease to um, create really great stuff. Yeah, I find it interesting, you know, even as we transition to talking about a, a review we did recently. Yes. By a br- band called The Brilliance. And although, yes, there's innovation and yes, there's quality musicianship and yes, it's different, um, there's... I found I found it personally um, a little bit out there and just too deep, almost boring. Is sanguine a word? Sanguine. Sanguine. Yeah. Basically, I'm trying to think of any kind of snobbish word to describe boring. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because the musicianship is top notch, but just the album arrangement and how everything comes together is just there. So anyways, I, I just found that, um, you know, although there's quote unquote new art coming out, sometimes it just needs to come out and, you know, I, I just don't see them going to the top of the iTunes charts, quote unquote. Um, it's not that it's in of itself bad and they have a, they have a, you know, there's, there's a fan base for that kind of a thing. It's just so niche. And, and again, it's not that I want to compare it to top 40 radio because I don't like that either. A lot of the time. Right. Yeah. That wouldn't be fair. <clears throat> let's yeah. not be fair I'm, or, or let's not be, be mean about it, but to be fair, um, if you want to put out good stuff, um, it, you need to at least be relevant in people's lives. And, you know, like a lot of music, I was talking to my friend last night about this, that music um, represented something in the time period where they were released, you know, in the 60s and the 50s and the 70s. You can yes. tell what was going on in the world um, when, uh, you know, like Phil Collins came out with a song. I'm trying to think of the of the name of the song. It was about Gorbachev and Pre- President Reagan, um, Land of Confusion. There's a film. Oh, yeah, right, right. Yeah. Uh, it was actually, it wasn't, it was actually with Genesis, Land of Confusion. Oh, sorry. Was, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But it was still Phil Collins, but it was uh, under the Genesis moniker. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. But take that, for example. It, like, the song meant something. It wasn't just a song. Like, they, Correct, were, yeah. they were saying right. a political message. It had a meaning. It was relevant to a time period. It caused people to be to be moved with emotion, negative or positive. And, you know, that's what music should be like. Yeah, a reflection of the time, the culture. Um, And actually, I had a great conversation on this very topic yesterday as I was talking to um, uh, Chris and Anthony Hoisington from Brothers McClurg. We talked about what relevant really means. Mm -hmm. And, you know, coming back around to the topic of of, uh, the, the review we did of the Brilliance's album, Brother, was... It was interesting, but it didn't seem to be relevant in many ways, at least in a way that uh, that I processed it. And there's a lot of people out there who said that they loved the album and uh, a lot of great reviews out there. For me, songs in isolation were were pretty good uh, as a whole, though, from in terms of album flow. I just it was a yawn. Well, and, and, uh, and I think that's what we're really getting at is is, yeah, great musicianship. Um quality effort put into a song um but again even how the the songs in of themselves are not something that are, are going to be out there mainstream it's going to have a right. a certain genre and a certain listener it's just like you know everyone's trying to play with banjos and big big thumpy drums now i mean I, that's so passe and it's only been <clears throat> the last 12 months that that's been a popular thing um honestly 
the Gettys have done that. You know, like it's not like it's new. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. You, it's just you, you decided it was cool and now everybody's doing it. Yeah, and they just added ugly beards and messy hair and, and plaid shirts. Um, which if you watch my social media, I got a lot of attention from people because I was complaining about the fact that I can't wait for that to end. And everyone's like, well, you're a hypocrite because you're a worship leader and you, you wear plaid shirts. Yeah, but I brush my hair. I'm clean shaven. I don't wear skinny jeans and I sing hymns and choruses. And, you know, I'm not a hypocrite. It's just a, I was talking not about the actual shirt and all those things. I was talking about what people are trying to portray. They're trying to duplicate what looks like success in order to manufacture success. Yeah, you're hopping into the wake of another uh, artist, hoping that that pulls you along someplace in terms of success. Yeah. You know, as opposed to being inspired by something and that being uh, fuel for new creativity, you are um, looking at somebody who's successful and saying, I want a piece of that. What do I need to do? And you know, it's okay to emulate people and be inspired by somebody, but use that as a mechanism to challenge yourself to create something that is uniquely you, not just a poor copy of what somebody else is doing. So yeah. anyway, we're and, on a soapbox here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and kudos to Crowder, because although I'm not a big fan of his voice, um, if you're being emulated, you're doing something right. Absolutely. Yeah. And he And he hasn't really changed. I mean, he does... Um, it's always been gospel influenced, um, it, but there's always been that innovative tech piece that came in through the digital age guys that have been a part of his band. And so you see a marriage of inspiration producing something innovative or in a, doing so in an organic fashion versus a manufactured fashion. Yeah, they're actually being innovative and people are looking to them for the lead. Right. That's uh, what that's what Christian art has been historically. It's just this generation, let's say the past 50 years or 30 years. I don't know. How old am I? Yeah, this yeah. is the instant gratification age. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So let's just make an app out of it. And right. I, and right. Let's do a Christian worship music creation app uh, where you enter the you enter a keyword and it will kick out a song that will sound very Chris Tomlin-esque. And it will feature four chords, um, capo two, and yes. uh, you'll be all set. <laughs> yeah, and and a tap delay. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, that works too. So, anyways, <laughs> I mean, obviously, I mean, we've shared these perspectives in the past. It's nothing new. Um, yeah. You know, so, you know, but we do wonder what people think. You know, like, are people thinking that we're on the right track with this, or are people like, uh, you know, offended that we would even talk about, you know, like, what are they thinking? on Christian radio. We're not, we're not slamming, you know, the, the mainstream Christianity. I mean, it's good stuff out there. Um, it's just like, you got to pick your charities. Some people like compassion. Some people like world vision. You know what? That's cool. We're not yeah. judging. It's, but you have to have conviction in what you do. Yeah. Don't go halfway. It's very apparent when you do. Yes. So, um, you know, and there's, I mean, there's so much going on, Joe, we could talk forever. I know. I mean, Leonard Nimoy, he died. I mean, ah! I know, That's... I know. I saw that, uh, got off the plane in Pittsburgh and I went, saw a post from a friend and it just said Spock. And I yeah. went, oh man, and it was a bummer, but yeah. So anyway, yeah, there's so much going on. Uh, we could spend all day, but yeah. then again, yeah, people I... maybe want to listen to an interview with somebody um, and not listen to us, but you let us know in the comments, you know, Hey, 
shut up, guys. We don't really care about what you guys are talking about. Or, guys, well, we, you know, based on that interview, we wish you would just talk the whole time. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and speaking of shut up, let's talk about oh, something right. else going on. Shut up and listen. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, shut up and listen. Shut up. <laughs> we, we've already had to deal with that feedback because, you know, we have new content out there called Shut Up and Listen because, yes. you know, sometimes we do need to just take a break and listen to somebody that we're not used to listening to. And, you know, thanks to Jim Gray, our friend uh, from Colorado, um, he is providing content to us and talking to very interesting people on a raw, unedited version of what's now on Frequency.fm called the Shut Up and Listen podcast. So make sure you check out our feed and figure out what's going on because this just launched. Yeah, just this week, a new interview with uh, Rob Overholt. Yeah, Jim's excited about it. We think it's cool. I don't know, if you're already listening, you've probably already heard it. But if you haven't, just go back in the feed a couple of days and you'll find uh, you'll find it posted and there'll be more to come out of that. And we got more people as contributors coming on board that will be doing more interviews, talking to more people in different areas because we can't be 12 places at once. We try. But it's fun. We're having a lot of fun with it. Yeah, yeah. So um, let's get to our feature interview today then, Joe. Um, you had the opportunity to interview an author recently and, and she's actually had a bit of notoriety um, because of, uh, I think it was a video that she posted or a blog post, um, about being on the beach and just being a plain mom, plain Jane mom. And she actually got, got attention on the morning news in the U S because of it. Did you want to tell us who that was? Yeah, it's Jessica N Turner N as in Nicole. Uh, she's a, a popular blogger, um, and appears on a number of networks. One of the first things that I do in the interview is you'll hear is I kind of go through this resume of all her jobs. Um, Jessica just wrote a book called The Fringe Hours, and it's it's a book really uh, focused on how you as an individual can make the most of your time, recognize where your time is best used, where it's wasted, in such a way that you can be a healthier individual. It's one of those books that it's an irony in that there are people out there who are very busy who would say something like, I don't have time to read this book that tells me how to do more with my time. <laughs> uh, right. But uh, what's great about it is Jessica is one of those people that as an individual innately is very disciplined in how she uses her time. And you'll actually see it in uh, kind of the efficiency of this interview. But uh, she basically takes those, um, the tools that she uses to keep herself in check as a mom of three uh, husband is a writer she's a, a writer she's got a day job how does she keep all those things in check still maintain balance that comes just quite naturally to her and so she takes that and puts it in terms uh that just about anybody in any circumstance could pick up and go oh i see how i can do a better job with what i'm doing so um very it's very practical but one thing i love is it starts out with a survey of I can't, 2,000 women uh, and what they're experiencing and uses that as uh, a way to demonstrate a level of empathy and compassion for everybody who's struggling with time. And you and I, before we ever push record, we're talking about, man, time is difficult to manage. Everybody wants a little bit of it. How do we manage that? So the fringe hours in my conversation with Jessica Turner, we'll, we'll, we'll start here shortly, really speaks to that. I do want to apologize that the um, there's a quality issue on my side. 
because I left my normal microphone at home and I had to use the built-in computer microphone and it's got this weird tinny hollow sound. You can still understand what I say, but my, the quality has gotten so much better lately. It just made me sad. <laughs> anyway. Well, I mean, it just shows that, you know, stuff just needs to happen, Joe. I mean, we're, we're all perfectionists <laughs> on frequency right. and we're trying to fight against it. We're fighting that idealism that uh, leads to a lack of productivity. <laughs> yes, exactly. So speaking of which, in order to be um, mindful of our timing, why don't we go right into the interview with Jessica and Joe? Hey, welcome to the Frequency Interview. This is Joe. We're excited to have as our guest today, popular blogger and author, Jessica Turner. Her book, The Fringe Hours, Making Time for You, was literally released yesterday. So all things considered, the fact that she actually is the mother of a newborn child, we're really fortunate to have her here with us. Uh, Jessica, thank you for taking the time for being with us today. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks so much. Now, now before I, I jump too much into the book, I want to share with folks some of the hats you wear because it goes on for a while and I think it helps with perspective about what the fringe hours is getting to. So you're you're a wife, mom of three, including newborn, marketing professional, founder of the Mom Creative, which is a, a very popular lifestyle blog. You write for Encourage, co-host of Bloom Book Club, I'm losing my breath, <laughs> um, blogger for World Vision, big picture classes teacher, and and now you're I think this is your first book, right? You're an author. Yeah. That's right. Yep. All, all of those things are true. <laughs> Anything you want to add to that list? No, I think that's plenty. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. So The Fringe Hours just came out yesterday. I've had a chance to read it, but um, could you give a quick overview to folks just kind of your elevator speech of, about the book? Sure. The Fringe Hours Making Time for You is a book for women encouraging them to practice self-care and make time for themselves and their passions. So that was very succinct. You have learned to do this. You've probably done a couple <laughs> of interviews before this. but Yeah, um, just a few. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'll tell you what, my wife and I were chatting about the book last night because uh, she's gone back to school. She's very busy going full time. I said, you know, this is probably a book you need to read. And she goes, yeah, there's the irony to this book, though, in which you have people who are probably who most need it are the ones who can't or, or for whatever reason won't carve out the time for it. So I'm curious. I wanted to ask you if I'm that person or you're speaking to my wife. What's the first step? How do you dip your toe in the water to actually start to carve that time? Well, for her and, and specifically for the book, that's why we have the audio version of the book, uh -huh, because I'm sure I'm sure that she is commuting and, you know, getting lunches ready in the morning and cooking and things like that. And that was actually a really important reason why I fought to be sure that we'd have the audiobook available right away so that folks could listen to it because I recognize that even in my own life, when I get really busy, one of the first things that I let go of seems to be reading in my own self-care. Um, but that said, uh, the heart of the book is finding time for yourself and that in every day there are pockets of time that often go underused or wasted and it's how do we best harness that time and so I recommend that folks track their time for a week and we've got a time tracker on fringehours.com where you can download it it's basically a, a glorified spreadsheet where you track your time in 15 minute increments over the course of a week and then you can really see how you're spending your time 
what you're doing on a regular basis, what's cropping up, maybe things that you could lump together, maybe things that you should say no to. You know, if you're spending five hours a week doing laundry, maybe you should hire a laundry service to do your laundry and, and get back some of that time. So um, I think that's a great first step for folks who say, gosh, I do not have the time to do this, is track your time for a week and really get a good understanding of, of where that time is being spent. So what was one of the first things that you found where you were losing time? Um, you know, I spend a lot of time in the kitchen doing <laughs> doing dishes, emptying the dishwasher. It just seems like I'm the the kitchen is never clean. There's always stuff to be done in the kitchen. And so, um, you know, I think recognizing that I have a six and a half year old little boy, and so I have been working hard on teaching him how to empty the dishwasher. And even that little bit of extra time gets me in and out of the kitchen a little faster in the morning and gives me time to do other things. That's very cool. Six and a half, it's a great age. I think I need to teach my son how to, to empty the dishwasher. Yes, it, it, it's a good it's a good chore. Um, we don't let him, you know, deal with the steak knives. And so he, <laughs> I think he likes that there's like, hey, I need help with the knives, you know, that he's not totally um, independent on it, um, but he, it's been a good it's been a good chore for him. No, it's very good. And and there's some self esteem in being able to help out around the house. I think we forget that. They're not our slaves, but giving them a job makes them feel needed and valuable to the home. Absolutely. Cool. Well now one thing I wanted to ask about that time tracking is you know, a lot of uh, the people who are, are are listening to our interviews are creative people. One might argue that that time management structure is kind of contrary or maybe almost in opposition. They seem to be in opposition to each other. I'm sure you being in Nashville, you're engaging with a lot of very creative people. Do you find that it's difficult for people to reconcile the, the structure and the creativity? Uh, you know, that isn't something that I've delved a whole lot into. You know, this isn't something that I'm asking you to make a huge lifestyle change. Yeah. It's just a one-week exercise. And so I think if ultimately you're looking to find more time, it's a great thing to do. It's like if you're looking to lose weight, you track your food, yeah, right? It yeah. might not be something that you enjoy doing, but there is no better exercise than seeing, oh gosh, I had three handfuls of M&Ms today that you don't notice if you don't track that food. And so the same is true for how we're spending our time. You don't realize how much time that you spend waiting, for instance. You know, on average folks wait 45 to 60 minutes a day. And so once you track that and you see how much time you're waiting and think about, oh gosh, you know, maybe if I had a tablet of paper that I could be drawing or writing an outline for a blog post that I want to do with me, you can just change how you're spending your time and, and use it more effectively and, and use it ultimately to bring you more joy. Yeah, absolutely. My day job, I'm a, I'm a business consultant. And one of the first things that, that I do when I start to engage with a, a new client is we, we start to ask for data. I'm a kind of a geek that way. You know, that's, that's why I was really intrigued. The surveys that you did, the time tracking, out of curiosity, when it came to the, doing the research, why did you feel that was such an important component uh, as you were coming into writing your book? You know, I, I get tired of reading books that are just one person's perspective. Yeah. And so I didn't want the fringe hours to be just my story. You know, my husband jokes that I get done more from five to nine than what the average person does from nine to five. And yeah. he's exaggerating, but I do recognize that I do really have a knack for using my time well and that it wouldn't necessarily be something that would resonate with everybody. And so I really wanted to talk to 
the masses and make sure that what I was saying was going to be relevant. And so it was really important for me to ground the book in research. And so I surveyed more than 2,000 women on an online survey about how they spend their time what their passions are, what they struggle with. And it actually really changed the trajectory of the book. Originally, The Fringe Hours was just going to be a how-to on finding that time. Yeah. And once I conducted the survey and recognized, gosh, women are really dealing with a lot of struggles for why they're not making the time, I actually started the book there with what those struggles were. So it, it was very useful and gave me a lot of insight. I'm really, really happy that I did that. Well, I can, and I can tell you, is that even as a guy reading the book, that first section, and you and you really are asking people very specifically, don't skip this section. I know you want to get to the practical piece, but it's in that first section that you really establish a compassion and uh, a sympathy for what, uh, with, what the reader is experiencing, and that vests you in the book in a way that the purely practical piece wouldn't, in my opinion. It, it grabs people right away. And for folks that are, are looking to pick up the book, and you should, don't skip the first part of the book. Spend time there, understand where Jessica's coming from and um, why it's important to have compassion for yourself. I mean, that's really, to me, the, a found, one of the foundations of your book. Hopefully I'm not off base when I say that. No, that that's great, and, and it's it's been great to hear feedback like that because a lot of people have been like you, and that the first section was their favorite section, or it really impacted them the most. It really causes them to be introspective, and so um, I'm really grateful. Even though, frankly, that was the hardest section of the book for me to write, um, and I fought it tooth and nail in in some ways when I would go to the office to to write, knowing that I had to work on those sections. Um, but I'm really pleased with how they came out, and and think that it is very very important to recognize that feelings of guilt and comparison and fighting for balance are all things that we all deal with and recognizing them and fighting them is worthwhile. So let me ask a follow-up question there just about the writing process with you uh, struggling with writing that first bit. Maybe you could tell me a little bit why that was difficult for you. Um, to be honest, because I don't deal with a lot of those emotions in the same way that I felt like a lot of the women in my survey did. Okay. Um, and so it was challenging to to put myself there and to um, to make sure that it was going to resonate um, in, with the people that did deal with those issues. Um, and so while I could pick out stories for myself, and there are certainly personal stories in each of those chapters, it was not nearly as easy for me to write those sections as it was, for instance, finding the time, asking for help, things that I do day in and day out. Um, I am, I don't feel that making time for myself is selfish. Yeah. And that is something that a lot of women feel. And so those types of emotions, I just had to um, be more thoughtful in terms of how I was writing, writing about that. Yeah, absolutely. The book is, is generally targeted toward women. As a man reading the book, I want to reinforce that there's something to be gotten from this book, if you excuse the clumsy language there. And the first thing is, guys, you need help managing your time, too, seriously. Second, it's very easy for us to get so wrapped up in, in our own business that we can lose sight of our the challenges our, our wives face. We uh, make assumptions about how they spend their time. And for me, it was great to, to read that and to feel a sense of empathy for some of those challenges that we're not completely aware of. One thing that really struck me, and I, I want to ask you about, is uh, where the husband is giving the wife permission, like, you don't have to do all these things, focus on some other things that are, you know, maybe resonate more with everybody in the house. I don't know. 
you dusting is not the most important thing in the world. And if you missed it for two weeks, I probably wouldn't notice. How about we spend some quality time together? So my, my question to you, Jessica, is what's the right way as a husband to communicate to our wives that it's okay to take time for you and to do it in such a way that she might actually listen? Uh, you know, I think encouraging is a big one, yeah. right? So my husband will say to me, hey, you've been working really hard. You've had a lot on you. Why don't you take Saturday morning and go out and just take some time for yourself? So he'll just go ahead and carve that time for me in a way, you know, and say, look, I can take care of the kids go out, don't worry about the house, don't worry about what's on your to-do list, go and take that time. Um, I think it's encouraging her when she asks for that time um, or when she says that she needs it. So if I say, hey, this is going on at church, um, I really wanna go to it, you know, saying absolutely, don't worry about the kids, that sort of thing. Um, it was interesting, several women that I interviewed actually said that they thought that their husbands would not be okay with them going out, that yeah. they wouldn't be able to handle the kids or they wouldn't know what to do. Or, you know, I'll travel to blogging conferences and women will say, you know, it's the first time they've ever left their kids with their husbands, you know, and, yeah. and things like that. And so, um, you know, I think taking that step and <laughs> taking care of your children <laughs> is, is, is a good thing. And, and affirming her when she makes those choices yes. and, um, and affirming, you know, like that ordering pizza is okay. And some of those types of things, because uh, women put so much self-induced pressure on themselves. Yeah. And so I think saying it like one woman in the book talked about how her husband, um, said, you know, I don't care what you make for dinner. Like, as long as we eat something, like soup is just fine. And he or she had been putting this pressure on herself to make these big lavish meals and it was taking all of this time when she didn't really need to do that every single night. And so I think some of it is just starting the conversation and making it be, you know, a part of your family story that this is something that mommy does and this is something that's good for all of us and it is um, something to be celebrated and is normal and practicing self-care is good you know i talk about in the book going to the doctor even i mean even those types of things that women push aside that is really really important and necessary to do yeah it's so easy to um, be dismissive or to marginalize ourselves um, because it feels like if we don't get all the to-do list done then we haven't earned the right to take care of ourselves that's right yeah, that was a big takeaway for me because I struggle with that myself. Not that I'm the most generous person in the world, but balance is always a struggle. One of my favorite passages was related to the myth of multitasking. Now, my generation has been all about being a multitasker. Uh, in fact, if, if you didn't throw that word out during an interview, as you were being interviewed for a job, you were sunk. But for folks who are listening, I wondered if you would just tell us about that myth and what real multitasking looks like. Yeah, so there's good multitasking and bad multitasking. And the bad multitasking is when you're doing two things that require the same part of your brain, essentially. Yeah. So you can't really be having a conversation and writing an email, for instance, at the exact same time. Both of those things are going to suffer. Good multitasking is when you're doing one thing that requires no mental energy with something that does require mental energy. So, for instance, I give the example of being on a conference call on a day that I was working from home and folding laundry. Right. Folding laundry doesn't take any mental energy, but by taking care of the task while I was on the phone, it freed up time for me in the evening when I would have otherwise done that. So um, I think thinking through, and if you're a multitasker, are you doing good multitasking or bad multitasking? And how, how do you maybe need to make changes or how can you do more of the good kind of stuff? Excellent. That was something that struck me pretty good because I do try to multitask and I don't do a very good job of it. So the I did want to ask about the last chapter, uh, Live Well, um, because it, it, it's kind of a special 
place in the book. I wondered if you would just take a moment to explain what the inspiration of that chapter. Yeah, so I really feel like the book, The Fringe Hours, Making Time for You, is not a book about doing more. It's a book about being more, more creative, more fulfilled, just more alive in what you do. And so I end the book with talking about living well and choosing joy and finding joy in the journey because that's really what the heart of the book is about and what the ultimate goal is. It isn't about being busier. It's about being more hole in your life. Basically tying a nice bow around that so that you're you're launched into actually living. Absolutely. That's right. right. As, as we're wrapping up, just a couple of things. I understand you, you've launched a partner or at least a companion online book club to go along with Fringe Hours. That's right. You can find a free online book club on encourage.me and that's I-N-C-O-U-R-A-G-E.me. And my friend Angie Smith and I host a book club on there called Bloom and we're doing Fringe Hours for that. And uh, we've just announced it. We haven't gotten started yet, but there will be two videos a week kind of walking through the book uh, with Angie and myself and three other women. So women from different stages, different parts of the country uh, do it, you know, in different, just different stories. And so it makes it just like the the book. Lots of different stories coming together about how we make time for ourselves and what we're passionate about. So that's a lot of fun. Uh, it's self-paced um, or you can follow the schedule that we're doing. So encourage.me for the Bloom Book Club. Uh, you can also follow along with the hashtag Fringe Hours on Twitter and Instagram where people are sharing their Fringe Hours journeys, what they're doing in their Fringe Hours. And it's just really an inspiring feed, particularly on Instagram. I love seeing photos of what people are doing in their Fringe Hours and um, kind of helps see it come to life. So that's a lot of fun. And I'm on Instagram and Twitter as Jessica N. Turner. And then you can find me on facebook.com slash the mom creative. So lots of ways to connect as we are discovering the fringe hours together. Yeah, Jessica is everywhere. So we'll provide the links uh, uh, along with this post. Get, get online, join the book club. Definitely check out the book. We'll provide links so you can go out and grab the book. Last question, Jessica, before we let you get back to your promotion of the book and your rest of your life. What creative works, books, music, movies, et cetera, are currently inspiring? Oh, goodness. I just finished this week right here during my book launch, the book The Good Girl, yeah, yeah. which I absolutely loved. I'm a huge fiction reader. Even though I've written a nonfiction book, I would much rather read fiction myself <laughs> um, and just devoured it in a day and a half. If you liked um, Gone Girl, it's I liked it way better than that, even though that's the book that it's compared to a lot. So oh, okay. um, that that really inspires me. And then um, obviously doing photography, especially with having a newborn, I'm just having loads of fun taking pictures of him and discovering his expressions and uh, a three and a six-year-old interacting with him. And so I'm having a lot of, a lot of fun doing that. Um, being home on maternity leave, I'm also being inspired right now just by purging and getting rid of <laughs> stuff in our house, which yeah. is something that I've not had time to do with working full time. So those are a few things on my list right now that I'm doing in my fringe hours. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Best of luck with the book. We look forward to sharing this with folks. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, God bless. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for taking the time for the interview. Um, I hope people, you know, can can grow from it. Um, and kudos to her for uh, sharing the book and sharing her insights. Um, and, you know, as a busy person, being able to um, actually take the time to write a book that's going to help people. I think that's beneficial. Um, and as we as we close, um, why don't we share our social media, Joe? 
Absolutely. If I can remember it, let's see if we can, I can do this. Normally Dan does this, so I'll, I'll give it a shot. So you can find us on Twitter where Dan and I are both active at the handle at Frequency FM. You can also find us as individuals out there, but you can just find that by going to our Twitter handle for Frequency. Also on Facebook, uh, just search for Frequency FM and that will, will pop right up for that. And like us and uh, be sure uh, that when you go in and like us, you can actually click again and um, choose to have it show up in your feed because we are posting quite a bit. There's a lot of new content. We don't want you to miss out on it. And uh, gosh, we'd love it if you would share that with other folks as well, because there's artists out there that um, that we really have a heart for, and we want uh, to be a great platform for them, for you guys to, to share what you like most about what we're doing. So that's uh, on Facebook. Uh, we're out on Google Plus. If you know how to use it, you'll find us very quickly because there's only three people there. Um, <laughs> what are we? <laughs> that's not very nice. But uh, are we on Instagram too? Yeah, uh, we are on Instagram, and I am starting to update the feed. And honestly, uh, we actually do have a Pinterest account, believe it or not. Um, oh, really? I'm finding, so I can put uh, recipes up there for yeah. From frequency. You you. It's shocking, but Pinterest actually has more social engagement and sharing opportunities than Facebook. So we're looking at any way that's going to get the word out, um, sharing blog posts and then audio uh, to get it in people's hands. And that's where all the women are. And we have a lot of women um, that are on our podcast. So I think it's a great place to try to uh, to yeah. share information because although I don't look for the latest you know, fads in color schemes and crocheting. I know my wife does, so she'd appreciate it. Right. Well, yeah. Anyway, I, I got to stop because um, that's funny uh, to me and maybe not for the right reasons. Guys, thanks for joining us. It's been great having you on another episode. We got tons of stuff coming your direction. Let us know how we're doing. Leave a comment out there on iTunes. Give us a review. Share with your friends. Don't forget the Hinterlands saga is still going on at hinterlands.frequency.fm. Check out what Travis is writing this week. It just keeps coming, and it's great stuff. All right. Great to hear from everybody. Have a great day, Joe. Thanks, man. You're the best. Bye for now.